Hey, Mystic Michaela spiritual family. Welcome to Know Your Aura with Mystic Michaela. We're talking about empaths and elephants today. Hey, Scott. Hey, guys. So when I talk about elephants, have you ever heard the expression addressing the elephant in the room? Yeah, I heard that before. Like there's a there's an elephant in the room or there's like a 100-pound gorilla, like a 1,000-pound gorilla in the room or something like that. Yeah, like, like it's the, the thing people don't talk about that's yeah. like super weird. Yeah, like it's like an unsaid thing. Like the that kind of thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like you kind of, like sometimes that happens, like if you get into like a fight with someone. Yeah. And then, you know, you guys both, you know, whatever you start talking about, like, you know, nonsense, and then you're not addressing the the issue that you maybe, brush it under the carpet. Yeah. Like maybe, you know, you know, by accident you sent them a, a, a naked picture. What? Yeah. <laughs> Like you sent them a naked picture. Okay. And totally hypothetical, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, oops. And then like you guys meet up the next day and you're like, no one talks about it. Nobody said that. That would be awkward. Right. That'd be like the elephant in the room. Yeah. That's like short. That's a weird story. Yeah. I was going to say more like, let's say you meet up with an estranged member of your family after like 15 years. Oh. And well, you're like, we're all like, I don't know. Somebody arranges it that y'all meet for dinner well, and you're all at the Olive Garden. Well, and that, like you haven't seen them. Okay. Now this, <laughs> you actually, that you might've just gotten a psychic Why? message right there because just about 10 minutes ago. Are you kidding me? No, I kid you not. My parents. This is real guys. This is real. No. Uh, my parents just called and said that, you know, possibly in January, December that my sister who I'm estranged. Yes. Estranged, we haven't talked in 12 years, something like that. Yes. Uh, wants to meet up. She initiated that? My parents probably did. Okay. But they, she's never wanted to see us for, I guess, for 12 years right. or whatever. Right, yes. And now it's possible that that could happen. I don't know if it will happen, but it, okay. they're working on it happening. Okay. So I guess that would, like, if we just meet up and then we just start talking about the weather. That's going that to be the elephant. That would be the elephant in the room. So how do we, yeah, and then it's like, I feel like you and I are in a space where, okay, because this is what I'm talking about today. Like the more spiritually awakened you are, the more like you've deep dived into your own truth, the less you can handle other people not speaking it. So like when you feel that energy in the room, like, hey, so have you been the past like 12 years, you know, (laughs) like it's going to like, that's going to be really hard for one of us not to say. Yeah. Cause like, (laughs) I guess my first reaction would be like to, you know, call her every name under the sun. Well, yeah. But I probably won't. I think if it's, this happens. If anything, it's just like really weird. It's like, um, like here's our kid. You know, like she's eleven. Right. <laughs> You've never met her. Here's our other kid. <laughs> she's five. She's five. Do her, you know her name? You, right. You have kids. Exactly. <laughs> like we so, don't know them. Like it's weird. It's yeah, just weird. It is so, weird. So like I feel like where you and I are at, we're just like, hey weird yeah you know and but not everybody's like that like they'd prefer to just like order spaghetti and um oh what a nice have a nice day uh, good, right. uh, good morrow <laughs> so, like, like, well your your example is definitely better than my example yeah. of the naked that's picture. weird though because you you guys have to know like this is when we catch up usually like when we're podcasting even right. though we live together yeah I, I well i haven't actually talked to her since the last episode so talk to who me you, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> This is the first. This is the first time we've chatted since we taped the last episode. Well, it's been very stressful when we talk about empaths and elephants in the room. Right. Um, I mean, we've. You know, I'm going to talk about this more in depth, but like we had a pandemic, and now there's a lot of 
There's a lot of civil unrest and there's um, the people of color are coming out and, you know, they're just voicing their oppression and it makes, I feel like as empaths, like we feel it, like we're like, wow, like, you know, that is heavy and I feel, I feel you and, and in different ways. And, um, you know, I kind of wanted to talk about, well, I guess like how different aura colors mm-hmm. deal with their reaction to this. Yeah. I mean, I guess how would, uh, let's say, let's just start with yellow. So I noticed like yellow people, like, you know, just from the ones I follow and the ones I read and whatnot. And here's the thing, like we all have our own lives. Like, so we all have like our families and our jobs and our situations and our distractions. It was funny because one of my followers, um, she DM'd me. She lives like in the middle of uh, like LA area and there's like all these riots. And she's like, it's crazy. Cause like, you know, in the morning she, everybody went out to Trader Joe's. Like it was right. like life goes on. Yeah. You know, it's weird. It's like, there can be all this stuff going on, but you know, you got to eat. So like you go to the grocery store and then, well, and then you're in by curfew and then it starts again. You know, it, it's scary. Well, th- okay. So this is actually might be a silly question, Okay, but I'm serious about this. I know like most people think I'm always joking. But would a yellow, like, how put this, like, look at the, the protests mm-hmm. and then say they're not doing it correctly because it's not organized properly? Would, would they do no, that while they're yellows, watching it? Yellows aren't so critiquing. Um, they're more about taking charge. So okay. I've noticed yellows are really about educating. Um, here are resources. Okay. Here are links to this and that. Um, they try to... Yellows aren't afraid to speak out. Like, yellows have a very strong way of being like, this is how I feel and this is what we can do about it. And and almost even trying to paraphrase what the messages are in okay. a way that could be, I hate to use this word, but like understood mm. maybe better by everybody. Because like yellows are pretty good with communication. Okay. Like, especially when they're balanced. They're really good with communication and, and delivering information in a way that's easily digestible for the rest of us. So I've been noticing yellows dealing with it like, okay, like, what can we do in our community? That kind right. of thing. See, so as a red, I, I, I feel, I look at it like the leadership is not there for this. Right. You're um, seeing, like, it's a mess. It's a mess. And, yeah. it's like, you know, like, I'm, you know, a historian. So you are a history major. You have masters in history, you right. teach history. So if you compare it to like Martin Luther King Jr., that seemed more organized to me and with more leadership right. uh, than this. So like there, I mean, there weren't a bunch of cameras around you. No, they weren't either, a though. bunch of cameras around. Correct. So like when I look at it, I mean, again, I, I could be wrong. I'm just my take on it is like I would like to see like more figureheads of the movement. Okay. Um, whoever they might be. Yeah. Uh, you know, leaders in, in, in the communities. Right. Where, you know, they're maybe giving more speeches and, and, and something like that. Yeah. Um, that seems more. You're I, saying they need like, um, like a figurehead, like, a, like well, you're red and yeah, you, you like want leadership. Need, more yeah, leadership. More, I, yeah. That's, I mean, that's just how I look at it when I, when I watch the, the TV, you know, of course I, I would do it if I didn't have kids, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, uh, you know, if I was, you know, maybe, you know, 10 years younger, no kids, but, yeah. um, so, you know, so, something like that. Well, I, I can, reds get very upset about injustice. Yes. That's a red thing. So yeah. I feel like, um, reds will feel the empathy. They'll feel the oppression and then red people will be like, come here, I'll just do it for you. Like I'll yell the right. loudest. Let, like, no, you all need to be here. We need to be here at this time. You all need to, nope, we're not doing that. We're not, that's, you know, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. This is what we're going to do, you know, with kind of a, a stronger voice. Right. 
a more I see what you're saying. I mean, they, there's a very strong voice. I mean, no, it is, and and it's very loud. And I feel like that's why we're talking about it, and no, everybody's talking no, about it. It's it just like when when you think back to the civil rights movement, yeah. you think of like Martin Luther King, whether you're in his camp or yeah. Malcolm X. Yes, who, you know, maybe a little bit more on the more you know I don't know how to put it like a little bit more extreme, a, extreme, right. Uh, but where, uh, you know, I don't know, like, I don't know any leaders' names of this movement. That's interesting. There, like, there's more like Black Lives Matter. Right, right. right. There's groups. Right. Uh, but I don't know. It's a like, collective. Like, right, it's more collective. Mm-hmm. But who's like, as a, and again, maybe it doesn't need it. I'm just saying from a Red's perspective, from my perspective. Yeah. Like, I just want to know that, you know, the person, I was going to use the letter X, but, you know, person J is the right. person, uh, you know, leading this thing, sort of say. I see what you're saying. And, you know, yeah. So as a red, you are get frustrated that if, yeah. if you're going to have a message that's so good like this, right? Let's get it out in a way, right? That is strong, like just again strong, right? And um, united, yeah, and cohesive, yeah. And I think even more and more people would join then than there is now. I think you'd have more people, yeah, coming to something like that, right? Well, it's it's interesting. Yeah. Like when we saw like the women's march and like whatnot. The, right, right. But I don't I can't tell you a leader of that either. I couldn't either, but I'm sure that people I mean maybe people could tell you leaders now. I that we just don't know about. Yeah, we um, might just not be educated in that but, way. Yeah. Um but I, I yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. But the but the women's march does seem like it was more organized to me. Like there was yeah. more leadership. I recall like hearing a lot of speeches, and that could be reflective um, too of yeah. the oppression of no, the people yeah. who are. I mean, it could be, and also it could be reflective of the day and age. Just like everyone with their cameras, everyone yes. has a voice. Everyone doing you know, followers, and like all the different trajectories this can go in, right. and um, the ways even this movement can be picked up and taken in a direction that's selfish by certain groups and whatnot. So. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I, I that's how I see red people. They just get like ranting. Right. Green people, right. green people. I mean, they're usually po- the political end of things. They have like a political viewpoint. The more systematic, they're a little bit more removed. They see things for how they are. Okay. And then like the blues, the purples, the indigos, you know, the turquoises. It's almost like a feeling like a thousand pound weight on the chest. Like immobility. I don't even know what to do. Like that. Like I'm so sad. And oh. that's that's what I'm talking. That's who I'm directing my little thing today towards the most. Because like, what do you do when you have this like thousand pound weight on your chest and you want to help but you really don't know how? And um, that's hard. Yeah. No, it is. I totally get that. Yeah. Um. So it was interesting. So the other, you know, the other night we were we were watching it. Uh, when we did talk to each other. I mean, just the one other time. We did <laughs> yeah, talk to each other. sometimes we speak. One other time we talked to... In between podcasts, we talked one other time. Um, <laughs> and that was about, you know, should you do a post about what's going on? And, yeah. you know, obviously the... Um, the with the George ki- Floyd. With George Floyd, the killing of uh, George Floyd. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times you, you, you don't want... You know, you, you don't want to or whatever. Maybe we just think, you know... It's not our lane, you know, just stay out of it. Right, uh, which is, I feel, incorrect, which you helped me with. Yeah. yeah, and we decided that, you know, that you would do one. Yeah. And, um, you know, how you would do it and how, you know, to make sure that it was sensitive yes. to, to everybody, yes. all, all colors. Right. All colors. You know, I mean, of, of the aura rainbow. Um, so you went upstairs to, to do that, to yes. work on it. And um, so... Yeah, well, so what was going on when you were doing that? I was, like, so my thing with, like, posting about George Floyd, and, and this is, like, my white 
fragility, I suppose, I didn't know what to say. And I got caught up in the ego of that, honestly. I got caught up in my ego of, well, what if I say the wrong thing? You know, and that's, that was, that's my, that's the part of me I need to work on. That's the white part, you know, and, um, that's not my soul. And then I flipped over to the soul and it was like, what do you see? What do you feel? And, and the post is really about, I can't breathe. And there's a, there's a people, people of color cannot breathe. They can't not, they're, they're suffocating under the suppression and it's upsetting them. And when I started writing this, because it really was about George Floyd and like what he means to this movement and the I can't breathe thing, I get a lot of feelings and messages. And then you called up the stairs. Yeah, this was weird. So, and this has been happening to me more and more mm-hmm. lately. Um, so, uh, you know, you were doing that and normally I try to keep the kids quiet. That's my, you know, that's, <laughs> right. that's my job. You know, if you're doing like, uh, you know, a podcast interview or whatever, readings, whatever, my, my number one job in life has been to keep the kids quiet. Yes. Because we, you know, sometimes we have a babysitter, but my parents, but usually we don't, especially during the pandemic, we pre- yes. pretty much see them like 23 out of 24 hours can only sleep one hour a day. Yes. Um, <laughs> seems like they only sleep one hour a day. And we don't speak. So and we don't speak. We only right. spoke one time. Um, Oh, just remind me, I got to tell one funny thing before, you know, I know this is a more serious episode. But, okay. Um, anyway, so, you know, me and Abby, we're, we were doing puzzles and, you know, we're, we're, we did like four or five puzzles and, you know, I wasn't thinking about anything, just the puzzles, you know, yeah. just Cinderella and whatever. And then, you know, I went to start, we started cleaning up the puzzle. My stomach started to hurt mm-hmm. for no reason. You know, I didn't eat anything. I had no beans or anything like that. <laughs> uh, no fried food. And then I like, yeah, it'll just go away. And I ignored it. And then I walked over to the closet to put the puzzle away. And again, you could believe me or not. I totally understand if you do not believe this, but I could not breathe. Right. I was choking my, my throat. I could not get a breath in. I got really panicky at first. Uh, and then I said, okay, then I thought, then I actually went back to me. She must be doing the post. So I went, started walking up the stairs and I shouted with all voice that i had i said are you are, is he coming through right now meaning uh george floyd and i th- what, what did you shout down i said yeah and you said yeah and i said let me guess he's a red blue and what'd you say yes he's red blue yeah so and he has two daughters and two and you told me yeah. two. so i could not i and again you don't have to believe me yeah you know you might think this is like sensationalism or something like that but it's not i could not breathe right and i had a you know i came in to the office where I'm actually sitting right now. I had to sit down for a while. And then, and then finally, I think, I don't know, maybe you, the connection broke between you. I don't know how that stuff works in the... Well, I got worried about you. So then it was like, yeah, I had to, yeah. Yeah. We, and it's weird because it's it's usually these red-blue guys yes, that come this through. this is not the first time it's happened to you. No. And it's funny because earlier in the day, um, maybe like an hour before you started doing the post, someone wrote to me, hey, did... Anyone, because remember, if you guys remember back to the 9-11 episode yeah. where I was showing the video of... In school. In school of the guy that had passed in the towers and he had stayed with me. He came home yeah, with so me. so this is a video you show year after year after year and it's individuals who died in the towers. Right. And, you, and it's about many different individuals. But for some reason, while you're watching and like you're a teacher and you show it like five times a day for right. like 20 years and... <laughs> Yeah. And it affected since, you since, yeah. this certain period this year out of nowhere. Right. 
And I, it went home with me and I couldn't shake it. Yeah. Everyone who knows me, like school never goes home with me. No, you were <laughs> like, like a mess. I leave it at the door until, of course, we now do Zoom for my last couple of days, but uh, left in this year. But uh, I was a mess. And then I asked you, I, I showed you the picture of the guy. You told me, of course, he was a red blue. Yeah. And it was weird because earlier in the day, today, uh, that day, about an hour before you did the post, yeah. someone asked me about it. They That's said, like hey. months ago. Yeah. Yeah. It was like episode, one of our first episodes. Yeah. And they said, hey, did, you know, that guy, did everything ever come out of that? You know, because I wrote to the daughter. Yeah. He had a daughter too. Uh, and um, I actually checked. I looked, I looked, I went back and found my message that I wrote to her from September, I think 11th or 12th, I wrote it. And it didn't ever said seen. So it right. never was read or anything like that. But it was uh, interesting that on the same day. I know Another somebody says, hey, you know, and then George. I feel like it's weird too because um, usually uh, with mediumship, the way it works for me is that they won't connect to me unless I'm with their family members or they have a message to give. Yeah. Be, uh, other, otherwise, why would they talk to Like, why would a stranger talk to me if, like, their messages aren't going to get out? But it's interesting that, like, I felt George Floyd's energy mm-hmm. and that you did too. Oh, yeah. Um, because usually with mediumship, it only works if there's a message that needs to get out to somebody. Uh, and it happened one other time. Who was that with? Um, that famous guy who died. I was on that radio show. Oh, oh yeah. That, oh, I forgot his name, too. Um, it's going to come back to He was to a you. singer. He, uh, uh, like, all our moms are in love with him. All the moms are in love with him, yeah. It's going to drive me insane. Oh, I wish you didn't bring it up. Sorry. Um, <laughs> if you talk for a while, I could Google All it. All right. Anyways, I was on this radio show and, uh, well, I was on this radio show like a week before and they asked me about him and I truly didn't know who he was. And then I was like, I don't know, I feel like he has a head issue. And then like a week, he died like that week. And then the week after they had me back on because they were like, that's so weird. And then he died. And then he was like talking to me and he was saying all this stuff. But then I found out through the radio host that his family was going to be listening to the show. So usually that's how it works with famous people and mediumship with me. It's only if the message will get to somebody important. And my thought with George Floyd is like through just kind of feeling him. And and this is not about me at all. Okay. This is about him and his energy. And this has nothing to do with me. This is spirit. I feel like he has a message for the community um, that, you know, of, of just, he wasn't done, you know, he just wasn't done. And it's heart, it was heartbreaking to channel that. And, and, and this need to tell his, his babies that he wasn't done. And, um, and he loved them and he wanted to do right by them. And it was just, that's it. And so it's interesting, like the simple things people, people need to get heard or seen or felt in their life. Yeah. You know? So. Oh, boy. That was just, that was, so, yeah, that's, his name was, like, David or something. David, it wasn't David Cassidy. It was. David Cassidy? Yes. It was David Cassidy. Cassidy? Mm-hmm. Cassidy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was David that's Cassidy. That's the guy. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> well. Good job. Okay. Um, wow. So, I think just Scott and I, like, how we're dealing with this whole thing is just how we've told you. And, yeah. um. I just kind of wanted to make it today about how empaths who stand in their truth and who are more just aware how heavy this is and how we're dealing with it and how it relates to our overall growth Okay. and, um, and how we can take this and not just let it sit on us, but move the energy into better spots where it, we can be helpful. 
Okay. And I know you're going to give your, your speech yeah. in a couple of moments. Um, but I, you know, as a red blue, I feel this is very heavy for me. So I need to like release by telling like something funny. Okay. So do you mind if I just tell like something quickly funny? Sure. Just to lighten the mood. Okay. I know it might disrupt the flow, but I, I it, feel... It will. It will. This is a serious this, episode. This is a serious episode. But and like you can't handle for, sentimentality. For me, I can't. Like, so for me, I have to tell this to, <laughs> okay, to release the funny. Tell the story. So anyway, if you've been a follower of the podcast, you know that Megan's mom is, was Anne Frank in a previous life. Okay. We, we've said this many yes. times. She, uh, and you love to bring that up. That I bring it up. Yeah, that. We, and we were just talking about, I was just on the phone with her the other day and we, yes. we were talking about that she was Anne Frank. <laughs> Which she stands by. Which she definitely stands by. Yes, she, she did. Uh, and the reason why I brought it up is because, you know, the because um, of the protest, the uh, Buffalo was on lockdown. So I, I told her, you must be really good at lockdown because you have the experience of, you know, Anne Frank being quarantined for so long. But anyway, she she laughed at it. Um, so she also then said to me that um, she was another famous character in history. She was Lady Godiva. And who, tell people who that so is. So Lady Godiva, which is funny too, because Lady Godiva is this, what was she like, uh, was she like a queen or something? I have no idea. You're well, the history teacher. I don't know. I, I don't know much about her, but she basically was on a horse and she ran through the streets naked. I feel like it was a punishment or something. I think so. Well, this is where the the, the term peeping Tom comes from. Oh, it does? Yeah. Because like, like, there was a guy that was like peeping, like looking at her when she went down the road. Okay, though so she was, um, yes, you're right. Okay, so she was, uh, she was from the ten hundreds or whatever. Yeah, ten sixty or something. Ten sixty six ishes. Yeah, <laughs> the ten sixties, the good old ten sixties. Okay, and she was a noble woman. Uh huh. And she was like this patron of a lot of churches and yeah. monasteries and stuff. So she, yeah. And I guess she rode naked, covered only in her long hair, through the streets of Coventry to gain a remission of the oppressive taxation. That her husband imposed on his tenants. Yes. And then the name Peeping Tom originates from later versions of this legend in which a man named Thomas watched her ride and was struck blind or dead. Right. It was funny because my mom says she has a Peeping Tom. Yes. For my and whole life. She's like, I just know it. Right. So she definitely believes she's, <laughs> she's Lady Godiva as well. And it actually makes sense because like one time when she was here, I was just standing in the hallway and out of the bathroom, she came buck naked. And <laughs> Scott she, had to see that. And I just, my eyes like just open wide and were you she, struck blind or dead she just skedaddled <laughs> down the hallway and there is Nude. she says you wanted to see it she says you liked it right and you you wanted to see it which i hope is not true so that would put into that she was lady godiva she also told me that she was patsy klein but i then told her that patsy klein was alive in the same time that Anne frank was alive so that it would probably be impossible to be like dual past living so you got to pick one. So you got to pick one. So she went with Anne Frank. I don't think she knows how past lives work. Right. But all right. So she was Anne Frank, Lady Godiva. I'm sure next week we'll find out that she was somebody else. But uh, I just thought that would be funny to lighten up the mood. Okay. Well, we're going right. We're dipping right back Let, into the Let's mood, go back dude. into the deep. Right back into it. Let's back go. Back into the deep. Okay. Hey, guys. So today I'm talking about empaths and elephants, which I will explain. Basically, the more and more deep you get into your own spiritual awakening, the more you simply cannot handle people not talking about what is obviously going on. It's like nails on a chalkboard, the silence, because you feel it, you feel the unsaid, you feel others thinking about it, but holding it back. And there's energy when you hold something back that's so plainly obvious to everyone around you. 
and you as an empath will feel that and it hurts. This is because as you get real with yourself, you need that reflected in everything you do. You just crave authenticity. Even if it's not pretty or if it's not the thing you want to know or hear, you just need to be around the truth, the genuine, raw, authentic truth. And when you take breaks from stuff that is heavy, it doesn't mean you zip it up or you stuff it away. It means you just go spend time with yourself in areas that are truthful in their own ways. That's why a lot of empaths will go to solitude to recover because solitude is very authentic. Although people who aren't comfortable with their own thoughts and feelings avoid solitude. The more spiritually awakened you are, the more you seek out solitude. You don't mind your own thoughts and feelings. You've become comfortable with them even when they're not great. You will spend time with friends who are like-minded. You'll, you'll seek out nature, other places which are authentic and reflect realness and don't have things that people won't speak or talk about. You just seek out other places where it's truthful and you change how you recuperate. You don't hide from truth when you're an aware empath, when you're a recovering empath. You just step into it in different quiet places. And like I said, it's because you're not afraid of your own stuff anymore. You just need to be away from absorbing the amount. So when people don't speak about things, it's uncomfortable. And if you've ever heard the expression, addressing the elephant in the room, that's exactly what I am talking about. It's like you feel it and you used to ignore it for the sake of making others feel like they were actually hiding it pretty well because subconsciously you knew they couldn't handle you bringing it up or talking about it or dealing with things that are uncomfortable. But in actuality, in reality, you always felt it and you were part of that energy holding it back. And it drained you. And you always felt how strong and sick and tired this, these truths were of being held back. And the more evolved spiritually you get, you don't use that energy anymore for holding back truths for the sake of protecting others' fragile egos or their need to believe that reality is exactly how they want it to be because they need to th- you know, for things to feel safe and stable. And empaths ultimately will get to the place where they will not uphold the silent agreement to not address the elephant in the room. It's, it's part of the empath awakening, the recovering empath, I like to call it, that it's not that you're scared of truth. You actually jump into it and you speak to it full on. That's being strong as an empath. That's awakening into your powers. You don't run away from stuff you deal with it and you can deal with it because you're not afraid of how other people are going to react to it and you're not afraid that you won't be unlovable if you do confront things in your life that you used to not confront so as to keep others safe. The more and more awakened you get, the more you deep dive into your authentic self, the more you don't deny that you can feel other feelings, other people's feelings, the less you tolerate others doing that around you. So how does this look? I mean, it can be really simple, like asking your friend who's a bit walled off, like how her marriage is, because you know, she's alluded in the past that things aren't great. And you're kind of sick of going out with her for coffee and just talking about recipes. So one day you're just like, Hey, how, how are you in gym? Like what's going on there? 
<laughs> like just just saying it. Um, that's why, like, the more evolved you get as an empath, like, the less you can do small talk. You just can't. And I feel like when we re- we acknowledge that in one another, like, I feel like when I meet other people, um, we kind of just go right into it. Like, how are you doing? You know, we, we deep dive immediately. It's just what we do. We we can't do small talk. It's too stressful because there's too many elephants. Like, we have to talk about what's going on. It can even be bigger stuff, like with family. It can be asking, you know, mom, hey, uh, you ever going to tell me about my bio dad? Because I really need to know about him. And I'm sick of, like, not asking you because I know it makes you really stressed out, which happens. Happens a lot. People don't ask these questions because they want to protect the people around them, even though they're the ones that have a right to know things. And so it can be little stuff. It can be big stuff. But that feeling of addressing these elephants in the room, it's huge. And it's something that needs to happen as part of your growth as an empath. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's like empath blurting. Like it just kind of happens. So what is going on today? Let's talk about that elephant in the room. And I couldn't like do a podcast this week where we don't just flip and talk about it. Because it's all over the news and everyone's thinking about it. And it's very, it's very big. It's very relevant. It's very much present. Right now in our society, huge elephant. Thing is, it's been there a long time. And for white people, it it is uncomfortable to talk about. I mean, I'll speak for myself. Um, And for people of color, it's something they just live with day to day. It's like not new. And it's obvious to me as a white person that I don't live in the same reality as people of color. And, And that's an elephant in the room. It really is. I had a moment with my my uh the producer of the podcast um who we're not with anymore but she's an awesome person Flintstone Media and I was uh we were we were filming at a at a location for the Halloween episode and a bunch of children you know one of the houses the pineapple room was very um was very haunted <laughs> it was it was really a, like a stressful experience going in there and I talk about that a lot but anyways um it was after slavery had ended, but a bunch of black children died in that room. They suffocated to death because their parents were working, you know, forced labor on the fields. And, I, and like my, you know, my, my history, you know, I'm like, I don't understand because that happened in like the 1900, like the, in the early 1900s and slavery was over by then. So I don't understand. There you go. Like, and she tells me like, well, and she's African-American. And she says to me, you know, you have to watch this documentary 13. So I went and I watched it and I was like, oh. <laughs> and I felt all sorts of stuff like, man, I'm sorry. Like, I felt bad. I'm glad I educated myself. Um, I highly recommend that documentary if you haven't watched it yet. It's very eye-opening. And I realized, like, I do live in a different reality. I, I realized that, like different times in my life, obviously, like when I brush up against this stuff, but like, that was like, just hello moment for me. And, um, you know, it's an elephant in the room that I didn't know that. And that I needed to tell this story that I didn't. It's, it's hard. It's hard to like confront that knowledge. It's kind of like, whoa, surprise. But for people of color, it's like, that's their that's a reality. And like, how heavy is that? You know? Um, 
so my question is like seeing all this stuff how are you doing how are you feeling is this is heavy energy it's it's a sad and it's a sick and and it's a sick energy and it's a messy energy and and the news right now is so intense but as a society i feel like it really needed to happen it's kind of like that same moment i had with my old producer it's like whoa okay like and that's what this is for a lot of us like whoa okay something's going on here that like needs to be talked about um it's like a wake up and we need we need all this to get stirred up like we really do need to know this stuff and there's anger and sadness and and there's a feeling of hear me hear me see me crying out in the streets and there are a lot of triggers right now for all of us and I ask you again, how are you feeling? Because I have been seeing so many people, all of us, so many empaths, tired, exhausted, completely drained for all different reasons, all different reasons. But the empath overwhelm is universal here. We are all feeling this weight and it's intense. And I'm not trying to speak for people of color. It's just my thoughts as a white person that this must be like, hey, welcome to our world. And you know, for people, for white people, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm shocked. Or like, whoa, I didn't know. And then like, that could be good, you know, in a way, but also like irritating in a way too. Like, why are you shocked? Like this has been going on. And and then like a lot of people can feel defensive of that. Like, well, I didn't know, you know, and like, we really don't. So this is like our opportunity to learn, but it's a lot going on at once. And, and I feel a lot of us can feel bad just bad for the whole thing and that we want people to know that we don't mean it and and other people want to know that they want to be heard and just seen and it's just a lot of people just saying see me validate me hear me and as empaths we're picking all of that up and what do we do with it and if we don't know what to do with it it can be something that we hold and it can be something that makes us really sick and, and anxious and give us pain. So individually, no matter what the trigger for you personally, you have to ask yourself, how am I coping? How am I dealing? Because this isn't even the only thing going on here. For the past three months, there's been a pandemic. We've been petrified of human contact. Some of us living paycheck to paycheck. Some of us no income at all. Some of us completely blindsided. The rug pulled out. Um, a total loss of stability and control. And we have been scared and turned upside down. And our reality has been squashed. And now we're starting to go out. And, you know, we see these businesses struggling. And we feel that. And we see people wearing masks. And that triggers people. And we're seeing people that don't wear masks. And that triggers people. And we feel this division and this political upheaval on the right versus left and all of that. And we feel the cracks and the fissures. And empaths live. We live in those cracks and fissures. It's impossible for us not to see all the sides. We just do. We feel all the sides. And we all have our own opinions and such. But we can still feel other opinions. And when you feel an opinion or an emotion or something that's misunderstood or something that is mean. It doesn't matter all the other hundreds of thousands beautiful feelings you can feel. That one meanness can really, really hurt the empath because we're vulnerable. We're very vulnerable and open and raw to it. So these are all things that possibly if we come together and we name what we're going through, maybe we can grasp clarity over it and help each other and ourselves and ease suffering. 
on episode 28 of the podcast, I talked about the third dimensional reality shifting into the, the fifth dimension. And, and like that's happening now. The clashes of these ideologies in front of us. So the third dimensional world is ruled by ego, that there has to be class distinction, that there has to be oppression, that there has to be elite, that there has to be differences like that in order for the world to work, in order for, you know, some people to have abundance, some people have to have nothing. That's 3D world thoughts. And then the fifth dimension world, we're all one and there's one and there's abundance for everyone. And there's a shift going on. And the 3D world is angry that it's being challenged and poked at. So it's poking back. So here's what we see. We see this beautiful message of coming together peacefully alongside, you know, uh, among these images of violence and brutality. And we see a call to unity. We see, we see one, uh, one people, one soul family without attachments to anything else except unconditional love and a need to be one voice and one human race and one soul tribe. We see that. We see people wanting this message to be unspoiled. And we see that beauty and it's trying to grow out of this. It really is like a flower. You know, sometimes you'll see growing out from a crack in the sidewalk. We see its strength. It's in passion. It's endurance. We have respect for that. We see that there's the seed of the fifth dimension of this understanding that we are one and this idea of humanity and, and that there is this current of unconditional love rising in front of this. And it's trying to communicate with us and it's trying to draw this in. And we have a choice to follow it. We have a choice to choose that. What you focus on will grow. And we feel all the feelings. We hold all the voices and we don't know what to do to make it better. And it weighs on us this pandemic, the economy, the oppression of people of color, it weighs on us. And we, we can develop anxiety and chest pain and feelings of sleeplessness and despair and complete hopelessness for humanity. It's discouraging to see that this kind of suffering exists in our world today. But we have to focus on how people are trying to come together to make this right. And that's the fifth dimension stuff. That's the path. Compassion. Empathy. Empaths united in their voices. Firm on their stance of truth. Of addressing the elephants in the room. And avoiding the pulls of the 3D world to violence. Or to lower our vibe. Or to talk to people who don't want to get it. If people, There are some people that just want to argue. It's not worth it. It's better to stand in your own truth. Build up your own platform. And speak from there. And that's the challenge right now, avoiding the 3D pitfalls and just moving towards the light here. And it's the 3D versus the 5D. That's what we're seeing playing out on the national news these days. I don't care what side you're on. That's what's happening. What we do today, like what is it that's novel from other generations? Other generations have been... I mean, we, that's human history clashing all the time. But we have unprecedented right now in this modern age interconnectivity. How does this help? Well, it helps us see. We can see people. We can see the good stuff and we can see the bad stuff. Just for this time in particular, for example, Will Smith said something really interesting. He said, racism isn't getting worse. It's getting filmed. So, wow, that, that's true. 
So now we can see it. It's in our faces. In a way, that's good. We needed to know. We needed to address that elephant in the room. But the interconnectivity of this modern age has allowed us to see so much more. And when we see it, yeah, we feel it. Empaths feel it. And we can't just sit with that. It's like overload, overwhelm. Empaths need action or they can hold that pain, hold it so long it can make us sick. So we need to feel like we're helping. That's our outlet. That's how we connect to spirit. That's how we do good. But the ways of helping can be stressful. You have to figure out what's helpful in your own way, a way which does not overwhelm you, but also translates this anxiety into something positive. And we can all do something. There's a suffocation here that's happening. It's feeling like there's a choice that has to be made. It's upsetting seeing the things that deter from the message of unconditional love and unity. And I ask you again, how are you feeling? And I want you to know, I want you to know, like, it's okay to feel however you feel today and really sit in it and acknowledge it and not feel like you have to prove it to anybody. Like, you can have your feelings and and you should sit with them. It's been a very difficult few months for those of us who are highly sensitive, but you have so much power, so much to give. You see people, you validate them. If you can validate one person, if you can show one person you actually see them and you actually care, that's helpful. If you can do one thing that opens up a a channel for unity and growth, that's amazing. Do that. How do you do that? Check in on someone that needs checking in on. There's still a pandemic growing on. People are scared. Make sure the ones who are fragile feel seen. Check in on somebody. If you can help educate, help educate. Do that. I ended up, I mean, I do this, and then I tried, I bought some children's books for my kids because I realized I have to talk about race more with my children. So that made me feel better to buy some books, recommended books, to, to open up those discussions. That made me feel better. You have to do something small. Not all of us can do everything, but if we all do something, it's helpful. My idea with the empath thing, and this is why I'm so passionate about it, is that I truly believe that our mentality, our thoughts, create a reality around us. And the more authentic and the more committed we are and the more to the light and coming from unconditional love, we are inside of ourselves, which means we accept ourselves and our feelings and and we listen to ourselves and give ourselves love, we will mirror that around us. And if we unite together, all those mirrors will come together and make a bigger mirror. And we can really change reality that way. We truly can. We can change our reality by standing together in this truth. That's why I'm passionate about it because I feel like this is the consciousness shift that can happen through Asking yourself, how do I feel today? And not beating yourself up for it, but also being responsible for it and then providing some sort of solution for it. However small you think it is, do it. It's helpful. And when you do that, when you transmute the negative energy into positive, you win. We all win. But when you hold back that elephant in the room, we all lose. If you can just help in your own way. You are so much more powerful than all this going on leads you to believe. Isolation is so strong right now. We feel so isolated. But I also want you to see that the empaths are standing together. We are holding one another up. 
The less we avoid the topics which are uncomfortable, the more we win. Let's just talk about it. Just say it. The people who don't want us to talk about uh, these things, they're controlling us. They want us to like brush over it, move on. That's control. Let's just talk about it. It's, it's better that way. Then it's not a thing, you know? Talking about it is our freedom. So let's do that. Let your feelings out. You're allowed to be confused and sad and overwhelmed. That's okay. This is messed up stuff. This is upsetting. But try, try to see the flower growing from the sidewalk here. Try to focus on the strength, the endurance of unity, and those who care and those who try to see that you too are strong and you too are enduring of a person. And I want you to see that you too deserve to be loved and seen and heard and you don't have to ignore that elephant in the room. You can let your voice out. It's okay. I'm sending you love because it's been a tough few months. And I want you to know that I see every single one of you as we share this space together. And I send you my validation and my love. And, and I know that you mean well. And I hope you know I do too. This podcast is for you and about you. And I welcome discussion and thoughts and togetherness. So feel free to join us over on the Mystic Michaela Spiritual Family page on Facebook if you need to talk to a spiritual family about it. Take care, guys. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.